This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 13th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Perhaps one way to address the housing crisis in the U.S. is to focus on helping local communities see beyond the loudest voices in the room, often those who want to veto any kind of development. Greg Brooks of the Better Cities Project offers a few ideas. On the issue of housing, it seems that uh, libertarians broadly have... uh, a large swath of the left, young, urban people on our side, that, that there's, there's broad agreement on uh, a whole host of issues related to the creation of new housing. And that it's surprising to me. It's also very heartening to me. You know, it's probably the only time in history the phrase big tent and libertarians has been uttered uh, in proximity to each other, right? But but you're correct. You know the uh, the housing issue is so pervasive and uh, impacts so many people that uh, folks who we might not agree with on a whole host of other issues have have identified the problem the way we might identify it. They've identified most of the solutions, uh, some of which we would disagree with certainly, but they've identified many of them that we'd agree with. The problem is that uh, so often the right is really effective, and this is the libertarian right as well as the more traditional Republican right. We are really effective at getting bills over over the transom and passed. That's just a core competency in the American political right. And the American political left is often really effective at getting people together to talk and complain. And sometimes those people mass and political things happen, but often it's a conversation. And so on housing, you've now got this, this interesting dynamic where groups of young people and, and, and uh, millennials, good heavens, we're no longer calling millennials young people <laughs> around the country, are getting together and having these animated conversations about the future of their community and the need for more housing and everything. But it's not necessarily connected to effective political action. And that's that's one of the areas I think the the libertarians and, and the more traditional Republicans can step up. All right. So I guess is there a uh, an attitude on the right regarding housing that is just diametrically opposed to what you and I want, which is more housing? Well, in some corners, certainly, right? You can separate it into buckets. You have uh, you have the crystal dome bucket, right? Every high propensity uh, uh, Trump, Trump-loving suburban voter that fits all the characters. You know, a lot of those folks, they want that glass dome around their suburb and they don't want anything to change until after they die. And then after that, their natural assumption is that five minutes after they die, we're going to get 50-story skyscrapers everywhere. We have a fear bucket comprised uh, largely of local and some state-level political officials where uh, the, it's not that the negative voices, uh, the voices against more housing show up so much in number, but they show up vociferously. And so lacking hard data on what the community really wants and thinks, it's safest to vote no. And, uh, you know, then we have the, you know, the, the few of us, uh, and hopefully it's a growing number, who genuinely want to apply some of the things that have worked in free market policy over the last 20 years in terms of getting things done to housing. What are the right-wing stereotypes around housing then? All apartment dwellers, 
are uh, probably cooking meth and having parties all night. Uh, the character of the neighborhood is has never changed and is thus sacrosanct. Uh, my property values, and this is not trotted out explicitly, but implicitly it's out there. My property values have gone up. I like that. And anything that might threaten that is thus a threat to me. Um, you know, people, people are most conservative about what they love and homes. The single family home is usually most people's biggest financial asset. So I guess we should be unsurprised that people love and want to protect, uh, the status quo of their home. But giving people a place to live doesn't mean that Gammy's house gets a 20-story condo next to it next year. What it might mean is that Gammy's house sits on a half-acre lot that could be subdivided into small lots. She could put up a cottage court home or two. She suddenly gets hundreds of thousands of dollars in liquidity, and the neighborhood gets a tiny bit more density, and people get a starter home. So getting from here to there, um, you know, looking at my local community, it seems, uh, and you know, uh, presumably this, my experience mirrors a lot of people, I think, um, there's just no interest in it. There's not much understanding of the connections between housing and uh, liberalization of the regulatory state on housing and the kinds of neighborhoods and cities that people actually enjoy and really want to live in that are vibrant but peaceful and calm. And uh, there's a lot of interaction and there's uh, enthusiasm about the future. And uh, so I just don't see how, uh, you know, you talk about a bunch of old people who complain about the housing situation, but I don't necessarily see in the broader public a an understanding of the issues involved or a concern, really. No. And and this is where my Johnny Appleseed uh, hat comes out and gets put on, right? Housing is adjacent to virtually every other issue in a community or in a family's individual life, right? If you are con – if Let's just let's take the center right laundry list. If you're concerned about economic resiliency, having housing as a part of that. If you are concerned about public safety, uh, you you want uh, lots of housing supply because crowded. What happens is multiple families crowd into homes in neighborhoods that don't have enough housing. It creates safety issues. If you are concerned about uh, having strong schools, you need new housing because most communities, their legacy housing isn't really supporting their, their schools in an effective way. Uh, people, you're, you're absolutely right that people don't make the connection. Uh, and that's unfortunate. And that's, but that's part of what we need to do. We don't pursue housing reform out of a sense of, Hey, you, we need to, we need you to change your mind so strangers can come live in your neighborhood. That's not going to win anything, right? What wins is you've lived here and loved your community for a long time. In order for your community to keep being a place that you love and others can love, it needs to evolve. And that evolution doesn't have to be scary, but it does need to happen. Uh, Nolan Gray, who you know and I know and has written extensively in the housing issue, is sort of a, uh, a guide through a lot of this, this world, for me at least. And uh, 
you know, he, he puts it very bluntly and says, look, this is the, the NIMBYs are the 10 weirdos who show up at the meetings and yell. And that's why you don't get your nice things. And he's not wrong. Not at all. I spent the first uh, half of my career working with local governments across the country on public involvement, public engagement issues, essentially um, trying to figure out how to calm those people down. And the most common dynamic in local government, and it happens at state governments too, is those five or 10 angry voices lacking any other context become uh, the, you know, the headline uh, in the internal dialogue that a local legislative official uh, reads or, or says to themselves. One of the smartest things I've seen done in housing reform, it was just a little thing, but it was a little town in Maine called Auburn that pursued some pretty aggressive uh, housing reforms. They worked out a simple process that would allow them to measure the angry voices that showed up at the city council meeting compared to the phone calls they were getting from people who wanted to build new things compared to people asking questions that were neutral or positive. And what they found was, and every city has this dynamic, they just don't dig through the data and find it. No, there were many, many orders of magnitude, more people who wanted these reforms than didn't. But the negative voices were the ones who showed up in the public forums. That's what we have to counter. Okay. So how do you do that? Well, you do it a few ways. Uh, one of the things we're working at, on at a project in, in Utah called Free to Build is we're actually going to train uh, members of the community who care about housing issues to show up and advocate politely and emphatically for housing abundance. Some of those are going to opt into a higher level of activity. And when they do that, we're going to help them find their ways onto planning commissions. And, uh, you know, we, we think absolutely nothing of building pipelines to get the legislator, the legislators and the legislative results we want at the state level or in, uh, in Congress. Nobody's doing it at the local government level. And that's what we're setting out to do. And what's getting these people interested and essentially providing a network for them to have their you – know, no, no ideas are original in, in local government. Absolutely right. And so uh, supporting them with the – politically saleable ideas that will expand housing supply. Exactly. You want you need local advocates to show up and and you know there's no black magic here. Befriend your city council member, befriend your mayor. These people are not gods sitting on Mount Olympus, right? They are approachable. Uh, and they don't get a lot of genuine public input. So do that. If you uh Work with others who are like-minded so that you're not the lone voice showing up at a meeting. So the, the community aspect of this is important as well. And as I said, you know, part of our job is to essentially uh, till the ground and plant these seeds and see what grows. And uh, out of the activities, we're, we're going to get some people who, who want to do more. And I... I really am very clear about this. I, I want nothing less than a pipeline for developing uh, pro-growth, housing abundance, uh, positive individuals that we can get into local government at various levels. 
Greg Brooks runs the Better Cities Project. We spoke in August in Chicago. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.